Green Mountain Dental Group is a family-owned business that has been a staple in Lakewood for over 40 years. Whether it's cosmetic, oral surgery, or preventative dentistry, at Green Mountain Dental Group you will find nothing but the best. We have chosen Green Mountain Dental and will continue to attend Green Mountain Dental because of the superior care that we receive from them. Their facility is amazing and above all, it's the personal touch that we receive from the people there, including Dr. Ben Jr. and Ann and Mary and Sherry and Marie. They've known me as my husband, my children, and now my grandchildren and are just incredible with all of us. That was Annette. She's been a patient at Green Mountain Dental Group since 1976 and truly loves their service. Never did I think in 1976 how blessed we would be to recognize the people at Green Mountain Dental and are so thankful that they have been a part of our lives. For all new patients, Green Mountain Dental Group offers free teeth whitening trays when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam. Just mention BSN Denver. Welcome in to the BSN Broncos Draft Podcast. We're going to talk about everything from, uh, you know, athletic builds to ball skills. And, and on we go, and down the line from there, right? Fill in all the blanks in between, yes. Jeffrey Simmons, a guy that I really like. But he's just a marvelous interior penetrator. Special, special, special kid. What an abundance of choice you have with these interior defensive linemen in this class. Kyler Murray, as long as he gets to draft day healthy, he will make more money. He's been asked the question. He's had multiple opportunities to say, I signed with the A's. I'm going to honor my commitment there. This isn't even a conversation. He hasn't done it. That's all he has to say. And maybe after the Bama game, it's like, geez, he's not just a first-rounder, he's a top-ten pick. Frankly, I would take him ahead of Herbert right now. Then I think it'd be a toss-up with Haskell, 100%. And now, here's your hosts, Andre Simone and A.J. Hayfully. Welcome into the BSN Broncos Draft Podcast, presented by Elixinol. Jake Plummer has endorsed Lixinol's hemp balm and provides him and his family with the endless benefits of CBD, then you should too. This is a non-THC product, and 5% of your purchase goes to a non-profit of your choice. Visit Elixinol.com to get yours today. I am your host today, AJ Hayfley, alongside Andre Simone. We are the BSN Broncos Draft Guys. This is our time of year to shine. This is it. This is our season. We've been working all year for this. This is our Super Bowl. Dre... We are in the home stretch here in the last couple of shows before draft week. Yeah. How are you doing, my man? So amped up. You you have no idea how amped up I am. I know we we both couldn't be busier, but uh just so amped up. So yeah. Yeah, really excited to do this and uh we've got a whole bunch of surprises in store for this show. And then we'll get to your questions in segment 3. So have no fear, we'll have you covered. Yeah, I uh this was this is a show that we we do once a year. That's right. And uh we figured this was the time to do it this year. Mm-hmm. It um it was I mean really that's just it, man. It was just time. Yeah. Yeah, I think that uh you know, the final show before draft week will have some rumors and mock drafts that I'll be publishing and rankings and stuff to address and 
the week prior to that, we'll probably get into some prospect traits and really get to some nitty gritty uh, first and second round conversations. So this was the time to do it. And uh, yeah, yeah. Give give the good, good people more more info. We're really, really keeping them on pins and needles here. Well, the over the last couple of years, doing your own draft has become kind of like the end thing during draft season. Yeah. Uh, draft simulators have really started to take over. Yeah. This year, the Draft Network um, created a mock draft machine that everybody is obsessed with and yep. is using every day. We are getting DMs from people with lists of their drafts, mm-hmm. which is fun. Like, it's fun to wake up and see those and be like, oh, that's what he got. Okay. Right. It's right. it's always crazy to see how the board shakes out for different people. So, Andre, we decided to kind of steal the great ESPN idea of dueling mock drafts, except because we're way more hardcore than those guys, we decided to go all seven rounds instead of just <laughs> right. two rounds. Right. Like those child's play McShay and Kuiper like to do over there. That's right. Yeah. We like to do it like the real men, I guess. I guess so. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, TV money isn't what it used to be. We got that internet money, so we found the time to do this. Uh, that's that's <laughs> right. In, be, in between me recording a, an abs podcast at 5 a.m., taking a nap, and then waking up to do this, and then writing two more abs articles this afternoon, we are doing dueling mock drafts. So. And we should mention, we uploaded my big board yep. and used that, and we actually drafted not just for the broncos but the top 10 teams so that it wouldn't get too wonky and we have dually mock drafts that we just spent like 45 minutes on uh so we've made all the selections already i don't know what you picked you don't know what i picked and we're gonna get into this and see see what we did see how things shook out yeah well i think the top three i think we can run through pretty quickly because i think they're identical um, I've got Kyler Murray and Nick Bosa and Josh Allen. Okay. Yep. Same here. I know it took you a second on Josh Allen, but you finally, uh, finally pulled the trigger, huh? Yeah. I got out of my own way on that one. Okay. Good. Good. Took me a few minutes. It did. I was really Josh Allen and Quinn and Williams, man. I was really, really torn between those cats. Right. Right. And I mean, we should mention like this third pick from the Jets. I very much expect this to be traded. So, yeah, I agreed. 100%. I don't think that they make this selection. Yeah. Uh, I'm starting to feel that way about the top pick, too. Honestly, I'm starting to think that this is just a dog and pony show for them to try and sell. Very the possible. Very possible. Mostly, mostly to sell it to Oakland. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, uh... I mean, from from the first day of the Senior Bowl, basically, before practices even started, when Gruden brought up Kyle, Kyler Murray out of kind of out of nowhere while answering questions, it was like, huh, Raiders interest in Kyler Murray. Very interesting. Okay, so number four, then, what did you do? Did you have fun or did you stay uh, standard? Uh, well... I had a little bit of fun, and I gave them Montez Sweat. Ooh, how very Raiders-y of them. I... That's exactly how I'm feeling. He's an amazing athlete, and if they're trying to recreate the Khalil Mack thing with Josh Allen gone, I feel like Sweat is as close as they're going to get to the freak athlete who could maybe break out in the NFL in a way he did Yeah, I could see that. Um, 
I could see them pulling the plug on Rashawn Gary too, or Quinnen Williams, who was mm-hmm. still around. Um, though I think they like their young talent on the interior uh, defensive line. I went with Drew Locke. I keep being convinced that more quarterbacks will go in the top six than just about anyone's predicting. We do this. We psych ourselves out of quarterbacks in March and April, and then the draft comes, and it's like, oh, yeah. Um, So I think the Raiders will go with a quarterback, and I gave them Drew Locke, who everyone's hearing. They they have interest in, and Gruden got along really well with at the Senior Bowl. So that's what I went with. Uh, okay, so then this is a pivotal pick potentially uh-huh. for Denver uh, at five uh-huh. with Tampa Bay. I went ahead and I gave them Devin White. I, yeah. It just makes yeah. so much sense. Um, it was it was Devin White or Quinnen Williams, and so I I went with Devin White because I think that's the quarterback of their defense, um, certainly for the next five years. Yeah. Um, replaces Quan Alexander. It just it just makes too much sense. Yeah, and in so. that Todd Bowles defense, um they they like their linebackers. They value versatility and athleticism. Uh I was undecided between Quinn and Williams and Devin White ended up with Devin White as well. So we're in agreement there. And uh you know, you lose out Devin White, but Quinn and Williams is still alive. So that dream that dream will will stay alive. Still still alive. Like like he's not gonna be alive anymore as soon as well, he gets saved for the Broncos. He's uh, still a viable option, so that's something to get excited about. As as you're disappointed that Devin White's gone already. What you got at six? What do the G men yeah. do? Uh, I've got to take a quarterback. Yeah. I am taking Haskins, and really, Haskins is is really just like the I, I. If I could just pick a position, I would, because I think it's going to be. Um, I think it's safe to, for me, I feel like it's safe to just assume that it's going to be a quarterback, uh, whichever one it ends up being, we'll see how mm-hmm. the board actually falls. But I think, I think Haskins, uh, for now, uh, just in this, this simulation that we're doing, Haskins is the guy. Totally agree. I, I think just like, you know, it could be that Arizona's smoke screening everyone and, uh, the Raiders could be the team trading up with them. I think this is the worst kept secret in the league. I think they've done everything possible to kind of downplay their interest in Haskins. And why would they do that? Well, because they really want Haskins and they will not want to spend more draft capital to go up and get him. They get lucky here. He drops into their lap. We'll mm-hmm. see how that ends up going on draft day itself. But I, I really believe Haskins has to be the pick though. Crazier things have happened. Uh, yeah, I would, I would certainly agree. Crazier things yeah. have indeed happened. Uh, seven uh, with mm-hmm. with Jacksonville. I think this is where you and I are probably yep. going to start yep. to diverge Lay it on seriously. Me. Uh, I went with mm-hmm. Quinnen Williams. This was just best player available, getting out of the way. Uh, I was very tempted by offensive line. Um, I was very yeah. tempted by tight end. Uh, but I think just Quinn and Williams dropping here, you know, they lose Malik Jackson. Right. Uh, they cut him and replace him with another interior beast in Quinn and Williams, who I really think Quinn and Williams has a chance to be one of the three or four best players out of this draft class. Um, and so for him to get all the way down to seven, I think is, is crazy. And I think Jacksonville at that point will just say, this isn't necessarily what we were planning to do or wanting to do, but 
Yeah. We're doing it. And so this is a case of just getting out of your own way and taking the BPA. And uh, yeah, me, I think Quinn and Ed Oliver and Rashawn Gary could all be in play. I just feel like they, you know, they feel like they're on the cusp of contending and they really need to upgrade the offense. Um, so really for me, the choice came down to O-line Hawkinson or like a DK Metcalf. And I think if Coughlin, who's kind of the adult in the room, gets his way, he'll go the responsible route, go O-line, and it sounds like Juwan Taylor might just be their guy. So I went with Juwan Taylor and trying to predict what the Jacks are going to do. Juwan Taylor was the other pick that I had for him, and I yeah. assumed that's where you were going. So, I... But, okay, let's uh, let's keep on rolling. Uh, Detroit at eight. Yeah, what I mean, they have everybody? someone on the interior in Sean Robinson. They're looking for... You know, someone opposite Trey Flowers with uh, Ziggy Ansah, still a free agent. Um, and that Matt Patricia, New England-style defense, they really value versatility. Rashawn Gary is versatile, though maybe kind of a, a jack-of-all-trades, master of none. He is versatile. Uh, so I went with the staying local with the Michigan, Michigan kid and going with Rashawn Gary in a bit of an upset here at 8, leaving Quinn and Williams still available. Uh, well, that's funny because I did the same thing. Yeah. Using the same exact reasoning. It kind of makes sense. Uh, especially if you want to play him on the edge opposite, uh, what's flowers now. Yeah, exactly. But having that chess piece, you know, you know that Matt Patricia is going to value the versatility, uh, coming out of new England. Those guys always value those guys that can move around and can do different things for you. Gary inside, outside freak of an athlete. Just, it just makes a lot of sense. Okay, Buffalo, final pick before Denver. What you got? Uh, in, in breaking my own heart here, having watched Devin White go off the board now, i uh replacing Kyle Williams with Ed Oliver. Yeah, and I went with Quinn and Williams. Uh, so Ed Oliver, still alive for Denver. But yeah, <clears> I think... I wonder what basically, uh, pick, basically the same logic that you used with Ed Oliver... I used with Quinn and Williams, you know, I doubt he'd far this, he'd fall this low. I've kind of said this though, the dream of Quinn and Williams falling to Denver almost certainly ends at pick number nine. I don't think he gets past Buffalo. Yeah. I think uh, if they, if, if that were something that, that had a potential to happen, they would have to jump them and get to move up with Detroit uh, right. to try and make that happen. I still think that in, in, it should the board fall the way that I have it falling with Ed all both Ed Oliver and Quentin Williams and Devin White all being gone and the top two quarterbacks off the board with Drew Locke still sitting there. This is the ideal time to for them to trade down. Washington, Miami. Yeah. Um, those teams would make a lot of Even sense Cincinnati. to move down with. Um <clears throat> I'm sure. Yeah, I, I mean, mean that's fine. Depending too. on how much they like Drew Locke. So you didn't go Drew Locke at ten for the Broncos. I did not. I went with, um, you know, I had it. I had it down to, uh-huh. to two guys, uh, and I went with um, Devin Bush over Jerry. Tim. Oh man, yeah. And those are really two guys you would much rather be able to grab in a trade down at thirteen or fifteen, rather than having to pull the trigger yeah. at ten. Um, 
at the same time, you know what? Um, if there's one thing that I've I've started to move away from when it's when we talk about the draft, it's our obsession with value. Uh, certainly early in the draft, when you talk about oh, is it worth taking an interior offensive lineman this high? How valuable is he really? If you have a hole there and you have a player there and you really like him right. and he can fill that spot for you and it's an obvious need and an obvious fit, sometimes you should just do it. And a guy, and that's why I was considering Jerry Tillery, 10 is too high. It's too rich for my blood, but he's a really good player. He's going to be a really good fit uh, in Denver if that's and ultimately ending up being where he lands. And at that point, it's just like, you know, if he ends up being a Pro Bowl player for Denver – then you don't you don't care that you took him at ten Absolutely. instead of at fifteen. You know, you just you yeah. you you nailed the pick, and and that's why I was strongly considering him. But Devin Bush, I think, is going to be a really really good NFL player, and I I think he would be a great fit in Denver. I lo- I love the fit there, and between two guys who I think is going to have a great fit, a little bit of a reach at ten. I don't care. I got a good football player, made the team better. That's yeah, the point totally. Of the and I mean. Anyone who's read my mock draft uh, that we published last week knows that I agree on the Bush pick. I was undecided between Bush and Oliver or even going with the offensive line like Jonah Williams, who I think would make, even if maybe not the sexiest pick, he'd make a lot of sense because he's an immediate upgrade at right guard. Uh, And potentially, if, you know, Garrett Bowles doesn't work out, doesn't develop the way you want, you have a left tackle of the future. You don't have to then do this whole thing again next year. Uh, and I've said Ed Oliver to me, not a natural fit in the Broncos system, but he's ultra athletic, very productive, a guy who's dropped in this scenario. They take him though. I'm, I'm not convinced. I really think Tillery would be their guy no matter what. And to some extent I did regret this pick later on, where interior defensive line presented some good value because it's such a deep class uh, while the linebackers were kind of gone by that point or the tight ends were kind of gone by that point. Uh, So, you know, having gone through this entire exercise, now looking back at this pick, I do wonder if that was the best selection I could have possibly made or if maybe going, you know, with Devin Bush or even Jonah Williams, could have had a trickle-down effect and made the rest of my draft a little better. Uh, In this case, though, I went with Oliver. I think, you know, he's a mobile chess piece that you put in Fanjo's hands, and he could really like, though, in the past, I've said this before, you look at the length deficiencies that Oliver has, they do not fit what John Elway has gone after in the past or what Vic Fanjo has gone after as a a defensive coordinator like Akeem Hicks was a huge star with the Bears last year. Hicks is almost 6'5". Uh, you think of Justin Smith and those great defenses that the Niners had and how important Smith was down there. Mm-hmm. Smith was much bigger than your Ed Oliver. And, you know, he was a guy who wasn't asked to rush the passer. He was asked to take a, take on two offensive linemen and clear out space for Alden Smith and the linebackers they had on that great team. Uh, so I think I agree completely with Tillery. He was strongly, you know, he was in the mix, would be a great target in a trade down. Uh, but, and, you know, the guys always drafted, the Gotsis, Derek Wolves, even Demarcus Walker. You're talking about guys who are 6'3 or taller with 33-inch arms or longer. 
Ed Oliver is kind of a T-Rex, 31-inch arms. And he's a guy who, I mean, that shows up on tape. He he struggles to to use his hands and extend his arms and get guys off of him. And he could have had a much greater impact this last couple of years if he would have done that. But regardless, dynamic pass rusher, dynamic interior penetrator, a guy who if you give him one-on-one opportunities, which you will when you have Von Miller and Bradley Chubb outside, could really be devastating. I also feel like Oliver, after his pro day, is going to go in the top 10 almost guaranteed. It's just hard to find the fit and the spot to put him in. In this scenario, it's Denver. So there you go. I would, uh, had Ed Oliver been available uh, for my Denver pick, warts and all, I'm making that pick. I'm picking the guy. Right. I think he's too special of a talent to pass up. And putting him putting him in between uh, uh, Chubb and Miller is just stupid. Like, I... And stupid in the best way possible. Like it's it's such an amazing thing that they would have potential right. with with those three guys uh hanging around. So I just Yeah, hundred percent. That would be for me, that's almost uh I think I think my my like dream scenarios at this point are Ed Oliver, Devin White, and Trade Down. Yeah. I mean those are the three things that I'm really pulling for. Come the true back. dream scenarios. We kind of talked about this last week. Would be Quinn and Williams somehow dropping because he's he's a natural yeah. fit and you know a consensus top two prospect in the class. The other dream scenario to me is Haskins dropping, which you'll see in a few mock drafts. I really don't believe it'll happen. In fact, I think it's more likely Quinn and Williams drops than Haskins drops, which is to say like, you know, 0.2% rather than 0.5%. It happens. Uh, but yeah. 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 So the, those would be dream scenarios though, that, that top four of Quinn and Haskins, Oliver white in whatever order uh, would work out. And let's be clear, even though I'm, I kind of poo pooed Oliver to Denver, I'm very high on Oliver. We have been all year. He remains seventh on my board, even though i I feel like, you know, there are some size concerns. There are some, did he take, did he progress in college the way we expected? Because after his freshman season, I think he kind of plateaued. We didn't see too much improvement. But I I love Ed Oliver and think he could really be a stud in the NFL if he's used the right way. Okay. Um, we've gone about 20 minutes. Dre, um, let's... Do we want to talk about our second round? Let's picks hold here? that for segment two. We'll do uh picks two through seven and okay in segment two, but at least we get the top ten in here. And uh yeah. Yeah. With our reasoning right. on how it all unfolded. Going to get into all the other picks that we made here in segment number two before we get to your questions here in segment number three. So don't go anywhere. This is the BSN Broncos Draft Podcast presented by Lixenol. We'll be right back, guys. Piper Electric has been a part of the Denver community for over 35 years. Their reputation of being fairly priced, trustworthy, and dependable has allowed them to become one of the best Denver electrical contractor companies in the market. We believe Piper is the best because of their professionalism, because of their capability, because of their integrity, and because of the relationship we have built over the last year and a half with several of their key managers. That was Jim. He's been a customer of Piper Electric for over a year now and loves it so much that he recommends his own clients to them. Sometimes customers 
customers will ask us if we know of somebody who can be their regular electrician where they could call for anything from a small job to something much larger, maybe a remodel. And so we certainly have referred people to Piper and Piper to them. From residential, commercial and industrial, Piper Electric can handle all of your electrical needs. They've done actually everything from repairing a small wiring situation with a circuit breaker panel to adding additional circuits, adding parking lighting. So really, they have become a one-stop shop for all of our needs. If you call today and use the promo code BSN, you will get $25 off your next service call. That's 303-646-6765 or go to piperelectric.com. Hey, welcome back in. Segment number two here at the BSN Broncos Draft Podcast. Presented by Licks It All. I'm Adrian. He's Andre. You know us as us. That's right. The, the draft nerds. Yeah. Dre, hmm. let's get to this. We set all this up. We did all this. We spent all this time on it. Round two. Let's yeah. uh not gonna get into all the different things. We're not, I'm certainly not gonna get into what a great draft I gave Oakland. Yeah. Um, definitely not. Let's just get to focusing here on what we did with Denver. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Since we drafted every single pick they have in this draft, uh, I think that's we appropriate. Did. At 41, what direction did you go, buddy? Yeah. So um, I had it all over already. Dalton Risner went the pick prior at 40, which was a heartbreaker. That's so weird. Same thing for you? Yes, Dalton Rizner was my 40th pick. I mean, we were using the same boards and going off the same need list. So, I mean, it it makes sense. Right, uh, but I mean, like, there, there were also, we had some major variances where, where some of these guys got picked. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, and let me tell you guys, this is not as easy as how you do it from home with your predictive, uh, you know, their predictive rankings. Going off of my board, it was much harder to hunt for value because the guys that I value highly were already gone, you know? Um, So it was a fun exercise. If anyone's interested, I'll send you the link of this board. If I get lots of requests, I'll even share my login so you guys can have at it and do as many of these as you'd like from now until the draft. Uh, So I was thinking O-line, no linebacker value. I mean, Mac Wilson was gone already. Um so it was it was kind of tough. You know, Noah Fant went a few picks before the Broncos selection at 41. So even tight end was off the board. Um, oh, mine went too. So where, did I, no, where did Noah Fant go, to, go for you? I'm 38 to the Jags. Oh, okay. I had him going 35 to, to Oakland. Yeah. And, you know, I would have considered Chauncey Gardner-Johnson because I think we need a safety. He was gone already. So... It, it really didn't line up great. And though I thought of reaching on my guy, Terrell Hanks, the value really was at inside defensive line and wide receiver, like guys like Debo Samuel still around. Mm-hmm. I thought that was too rich. I went with Chris Lindstrom, the guard out of Boston College, who showed tons of athleticism at the combine. I think he's more or less a steal by this pick. Um, Maybe not a steal, but extremely good value. He's 39th on my board. I took him at 31st. So, yeah, that's what I went with, Chris Lindstrom. And now you have that interior penetrator, and you've upgraded at right guard. So not a terrible haul, but not as great as I would have liked, frankly. 
would you end up going with? Chris Lindstrom. Get out of here. <laughs> dead serious. Stop it. Wow. I'm dead serious. <laughs> I mean, again, it's uh, it, the value and the value of the board and the the yeah. you know the needs for each team line up. So yeah. I guess I shouldn't be too surprised. But yeah, there's uh... there's no way this continues. Um, but it's it's funny that it did happen here. Uh, no, I all the same reasoning, man. I had Chris Lindstrom at 41. It was just a good fit. Yeah. Um, they need the help. I mean, at that point, you all have spent all the money on Juwan James on the right side. Lindstrom could come in and be the guard. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're still looking for your permanent answer at center, but right now, Connor McCover is that guy. Right. Uh, you know, left side, you're hoping Leary and Bulls can lock it down between health and competence. You're hoping that they take a step forward as a, as a group there, as a, as a duo, and really would go a long way towards helping solidify uh, some of the question marks on that line. Yeah, I thought I, I mean it was just it was just good value, and it was a position of need, and it was a position where the quality of player that's going to be able to come in and really help you out early was starting will dry up at that position quickly. Right. I would love to revisit uh, interior offensive line, uh, you know, in say round four or five. But at that point, I'm probably not going to get a player who's going to compete for playing time early on. Mm-hmm. I'm probably just getting more of a rotational and a depth guy right. who may develop long term into into a guy that I put on the field. Uh, but I think Denver is in a position where they need a little bit more help than that. I'm not sold on on their current plan at the position, so uh, I felt like Lindstrom was uh, the guy and loved his tape. I remember texting you all's cooking dinner the other uh, what two weeks ago about yeah. it. Right. Just a uh just just a beast of a of a player and a guy that would be a really good fit for what Denver wants to do. Um I'm I think it's really funny that we both picked him, uh, but I'm honestly not surprised given the way that we both value both the player and the position. Yeah, totally. And think of how well Broncos run game could look with a guy like Lindstrom there. A tone Absolutely. setter like that. So yeah, that's funny. Yeah. Okay, seventy-one. Let's see. Let's see what happened. Uh, I mean, there's there's no way we continued to be on the same page here. But uh, I found myself with um, unexpected options at the wide receiver position. Oh my god! <laughs> it it wasn't it wasn't something that I necessarily was like looking for. Um, I was I was honestly I've been looking for an excuse to to maybe look at one of the tight ends or one of the uh, yeah. one of the linebackers. Yeah. Instead, I decided to go with the speedster, and I grabbed Terry McLaurin. <laughs> Same. Seriously? Yeah, yeah. This is a disaster. I mean, how is it that we made all these picks separately? We didn't tell each other what we were doing, and we've ended up. I mean, it's funny that we ended up with different ten picks at ten. But at 41 and 71, we've got the same guy. This is absurd. Right. And I mean, we had to do nine other teams' picks manually here. Right. Uh, so, yeah. This is what's crazy about this. really it's crazy. Like, okay. Did you have Paris Campbell still available and picked McLaurin over Campbell? I did. Oh, okay. Well, same here. Um, <laughs> I had I had I picked Campbell three picks later for Buffalo at 74. Unreal, man. Um Oh, I gave him Miles Sanders. So we differed there. And, you know, okay, so maybe not the biggest need. Um, first off, though, this is going to be an extraordinary special teams contributor for him. And that speed 
it's kind of something they need right now because yeah. you're not going to take advantage of Joe Flacco if all he's got to throw to is, you know, uh, Emmanuel Sanders, who's not 100%, Cortland Sutton, who's not creating separation at the top of his route, and everything's going to be contested. And Deshaun Hamilton, who really last year succeeded in getting open underneath. Uh, McLaurin's going to give you that guy who can stretch the field and once defenses have to account for McLaurin's speed and Flacco's arm, those that'll stretch defenses out vertically and it'll open up space for everyone else underneath. So it, it really has a huge trickle-down effect. Um, and yeah, it was just incredible value at this point. It was really wide receiver, running back, or offensive tackle at this point, though I did end up kicking myself for not going with the tight end like Jay Sternberg um, out of Texas A&M. But look, McLaurin's one of my favorite guys in this draft. Great value, Mm -hmm. great leader and character guy, captain. So that's he's a very realistic target for the Broncos, uh, given the success they had last year in targeting guys like that. So just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah, I uh, it just it it just seemed like a great fit, and uh, it filled a position of need, and it was a guy that was available. Uh, I was looking for tight end. I had Sternberger going two picks earlier um, to Jacksonville. Right. So, right. Um, you know, otherwise he was he was a guy that I was I would have absolutely considered right there yeah. uh, in breaking my own rule and saying don't draft a tight end before the fourth round. That would have been fine. Like ultimately third round pick i'm not gonna throw a huge fit about but yeah right um i think it's that's pretty funny we both ended up there i'm a little nervous to ask what you did in round four at this point because if we continue to be on the same page it's gonna be really weird i mean it wouldn't be any weirder than the last few years where we've just done the simulation together you know um and weren't doing dueling mock drafts interesting note here a lot of picks pass from the 71st pick in the third round to this pick in the fourth, which is at uh, 125. Yeah. And in that, obviously, a lot of players I would have loved to have picked up went, especially linebackers and tight ends, which was an area I wasn't able to address. I kind of had some intriguing quarterbacks staring me in the face, so I pulled the plug on Brett Rippon out of Boise State, who's a quarterback. I enjoy it and I think can be a nice developmental prospect, good arm, uh, you know, fairly poised in the pocket, can be a bit of a risk taker, accuracy and ball placement need to be worked on. But look, at this pick, I'm totally fine with it. And I do feel like he's an immediate upgrade over Kevin Hogan. Oh my God, tell me you didn't go with Brett Rippon as well. So when I was looking at it, I was really trying to find uh, a position of need, and I was looking at development quarterback. <laughs> Brett Rippon was no, my guy. No, he's absolutely the guy that I wanted to pick, and I did not do oh, it. Oh, thank goodness! Uh, I ended up taking Blake Cashman out of Minnesota mm-hmm. because I really wanted to fill the linebacker spot. Yeah, um, and I might have, I might have uh, picked him maybe a, a couple spots earlier than I would have really wanted to. Right. But I really just I I really did not want to take a quarterback right there, and I really wanted to take a linebacker. Get get I wanted a guy to, who was going to be on the field. I hear you, yeah. Um, and and you know you can always get a quarterback uh, developmentally um, 
speaking in, in a little bit later. You can always wait. You know, there's always going to be an intriguing arm, you know, in, in rounds five, six, and seven. I wanted, in the fourth round, I still wanted to get a guy who was going to be in, in at least a part of a rotation and be on the field for me in year one. Uh, so I got Blake Cashman, who I don't love, but yeah. fill the position of need and I think can help them. And fulfills the uh the whole big 10 thing that they got going on right right good point um don't mind that pick at 125 i gotta say i mean cashman's probably fair value at that point i do feel like he's being overrated by the combine results like when you watch the tape he's he's good he's good downhill he can drop um he can run with guys some it he just doesn't jump off the screen as his testing numbers would suggest and or his production for that matter i mean this is a guy who was very productive at minnesota tested great at the combine decent enough tape but it's just not it's not that he doesn't strike me as that vic fangio destroyer at linebacker that we'd really love to get so yeah and well and uh you know when i took uh, I took Devin White earlier, or Devin Bush, I'm sorry, earlier. And I think I think Cashman, I think that just really, I addressed the position. And I'm done, I'm done with linebacker right. for the you are done, years. yeah. Good for you. Good for you. And so that was another consideration was, hey, I've got depth here. I've got a guy that can get on the field, that can play, uh, that, can, that can rotate in here. And I don't have to go spend money on a veteran. I don't have to bring in, you know, uh, a flawed guy that I'm comfortable. I get a guy, I get a cheap, I get a cheap rookie for the next four years on, on a rookie deal on a mid round salary. Who's going to be part of my rotation at a position where I no longer have to worry about taking these guys. Right. I am done at that position now for the next couple of years. Yeah. You took care of business. Good for you. Uh, not the longest wait to the next pick one forty eight. You lead the way on this one. What'd you go with? What were you looking at? Uh, this one, I, again, like I'm looking more at a position than I am anything else. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I said, hey, I, I've got to get a tight end somewhere. <laughs> uh huh. This is this is where I decided to pull that trigger, and I went with Dax Randall. Okay. We both went with tight ends out of the Mountain West. Luckily, not the same tight end. That would have been really weird. This this has been kind of crazy. Um, yeah, Raymond, not a bad pick. I went with a guy who's got similar skill set in Josh Oliver out of uh, San Jose State. <laughs> he was the other guy. I was yeah. yeah, I mean, um, Oliver, I really like him as a you know a guy who can kind of get open over the middle, intriguing receiving tight end, which Raymond falls into that same camp. Uh, really good contested ball grabber. Uh, Oliver needs to be a little phrasing. Yeah, yeah, not not the greatest um, phrasing right there. He needs to be better as a blocker. I think in some ways Raymond is ahead of the game in that regard. Um, it needs to be better in getting open, though. I think as a receiver, he's a little better than than Raymond in that sense, though he is older. I guess they're both older prospects because they've gone on missions and stuff so yeah i liked uh i like that i uh, raymond's skill set i think translates to getting on the field quickly right which uh even even again in a rotational role from a fifth round totally. pick 
I think that's something that Denver has to value. They can't keep messing around with the the Brendan Langley. Hey, we like his potential. We want to develop him. They don't have the depth across their roster to get cute like that. Right. And I think Raymond was a guy that they could plug and play, especially with the uncertainty of Jake Butt's injury. Mm-hmm. You don't really know if, if Jeff Hireman is for real or right. not. You don't. You still have such a question mark at that position that getting a guy and why I valued Raymond the way that I did was because he can get on the field quickly. He's enough. He's got enough of a blocking acumen. And he's got enough of a physically mature body and enough receiving ability right. that he's able to get out there quickly. You don't have to spend a lot of time developing him. He might have a lower ceiling, but he's got a higher floor that he can access immediately. Yeah, and I think, you know, Oliver's that receiving tight end, so he can kind of be put on the field in two two tight end sets with Howerman, which we should see more under this new uh, play caller on offense, Gangarello. Um, And I think him and Flacco could get along just like with Raymond. So uh, we're we're basically on the same page, but at least didn't do the boring thing of selecting the same exact player now here there's a really short break to their next pick uh you address linebacker already so i'm confident to go with mine i went with trey watson out of maryland look it was it was getting to be time to start patching up this linebacker need for me i really started feeling the heat we talked about watson a few shows again out of maryland look not my favorite guy but i think he can fit what Fanjo's looking for athletically um and and be a bit of an an upside pick here uh for Watson at 156 what'd you do uh this was purely just a value pick for me mm. um not a position of need not a position I was looking to address uh-huh. but uh when I saw Bryce Love was still on the board I said Psh, get out of get out of the way and take a talented man and let him do his thing not a great stylistic fit. Don't care. Talented player. I'm not. I'm not above adding talent on offense, especially because I'm not 100% sold that Royce Freeman uh, is going to be a long-term guy for them. Right. I think he's still just okay. I still think there's going to be room for improvement there, right. and I think adding Bryce Love to that backfield would be good, especially because I think Devonte Booker sucks, and that yeah. they should just get over that uh, as quickly as possible. Yeah. If Love is healthy, man, I think that that's a guy that, that could be a, a real steal for them. Yeah, and adding Love and uh, McLaurin, that significantly ups the speed on offense, which should be a goal uh, for this team. I got to tell you, even on that Josh Oliver pick I made uh, just eight picks ago, I I considered a running back like David Montgomery, who was still around, or you yeah. know, Justice Hill was still around. Now, I decided Justice Hill with Phil already on the field doesn't make sense. Those guys are too similar. It's interesting that you did the opposite and you did go with Bryce Love, who to me, to some extent can be redundant with Phil Lindsay, but I agree with you completely on the value equation here. I mean, yeah. And that's in the fifth round. And and that was one where I was saying, Hey, you know what? The same way that Denver said with, uh, with Jake Butt a couple years ago, they said, look, if this guy hadn't gotten hurt, he would have been a day two pick. Right. And same thing with Bryce Love, in my opinion, that had he stayed healthy and everything had been normal with him, uh, we would not we would not be talking about him as as a guy of even available in the fifth round. Right. Um, the, the talent was just too intriguing. It was too good. Uh, and and while 
I definitely am worried about the redundancy with, with Lindsay. Again, I'm not above adding talent. Totally. I mean, and this, you know, if you want to be creative, you can be creative. You can, you could flex Phil out in the slot because he's the better receiver of the two and, you know, try to strike uh, with Bryce Love out the backfield. And look, the offense Gangarella comes from, they had a lot of speedy backs there. So, I don't think they're above like, oh, we need we need a power back because we already have Phil. We're not interested in adding other speed backs. They could have multiple mm-hmm. guys. I mean, it's a pick that fits for sure. Uh, I, I got to say, I think uh, I, I got to give you a pat on the back. I think you've gotten, done a better job of addressing needs and value. And where I really went wrong was with uh, Oliver round one because... Had I gone linebacker, I wouldn't feel like eh, I'm still needed to address some needs that that lingered. Um, okay, well, a few picks passed, almost 30, and we're at 182, the second-to-last pick for the Denver Broncos here in this 2019 draft. Who'd you go with? Uh, let's see here. Who did I go with? Oh, yes, that's right. I, this, so I finally decided to address my developmental quarterback spot mm. here. Uh, and I went with Tyree Jackson. Wow. Great value. Um, <clears throat> which he's not that low on my board. So, you know, when I see these, I think like, oh, whoever's bored, you know, when people send us screenshots, like I think, oh, whoever's bored, that was off. They're really undervaluing Terry Jackson or insert blank. But I mean, he's borderline top hundred just outside on my board. So he really dropped quite a bit because, you know, there's only so many teams that need quarterbacks and only so many teams that need running backs. And we did find that in this simulation, pretty decent running backs and quarterbacks were dropping. Um, Wow. That's a phenomenal pick. I would have loved to get my second linebacker here. The only guys I had left or the best linebackers I had left rather were guys like TJ Edwards out of Wisconsin, Trey Lamar out of Clemson, um, you know, good solid college linebackers. They're just two down guys. They don't fit what we're looking for in Fanjo's defense. So at that yeah. point, I went with Iman Marshall, uh, the cornerback out of USC. Look, there's some upside. Uh, former highly regarded recruit. Only okay at the combine, but I know the Broncos have shown some interest. They've definitely done their due diligence with him. I think you add more depth at corner. All of a sudden, you feel more comfortable playing Kareem Jackson at safety. Uh, you're not as worried about injuries or even this Chris Harris Jr., contract extension uh it just helps you out in a lot of ways and he's a guy who in his own scheme could do his thing so not my favorite pick but it it made sense kind of value and need lined up here so that's what i went with and that takes us to the very last pick yeah, the seventh round, mm-hmm. uh, where you know you really make your bones as a as a true stud uh, of drafting. What was your two hundred thirty seventh overall? Who was your gem? West Hills running back out of Slippery Rock, standout at the Senior Bowl out of Division Two, two uh, hundred and eighteen pound running back. So I think he could be that complement 
to Lindsay. He could in a couple years or already next year take that roster spot from Devontae Booker and maybe in a couple years take over Royce Freeman's job as the number two running back. Still didn't get that second uh, linebacker. Still didn't get the safety I was hoping to find at some point. Hey, you can't have everything in life. I went with Wes Hills over, you know, maybe more highly regarded running backs like Jordan Scarlett out of Florida or Devin Ozigbo out of Nebraska. But Wes Hills really intrigued me at the Senior Bowl. I think he could be a gem. And, uh, yeah, that's the pick I went with. What did Drew do? Uh, it's actually weird. I almost took that dude. Um, I took him like three picks uh-huh. earlier. Um, hey, it makes sense to to Oakland. Oof. So, jeez, yeah. Um, so that was ooh, that was close. Uh, no, I went with Chris Slayton out of Syracuse. Oh yeah, yeah, the uh, offensive lineman. Yes, defensive lineman. Oh, oh, and we've uh, we've talked about him before. Yes. We have indeed. Slayton never sticks into my head for whatever reason. Yeah, and I thought in in the seventh round, uh, I think he's a limited player. Sure. That's just sort of meh. Yeah. Um, I don't love the upside there, but it's seventh round. It's a position of need. It's a it's a it's a room that he can go in and compete for a spot. Mm-hmm. I always I've, I've never understood when these teams take use their seventh round picks on positions they're already deep in, and they end up cutting that guy seven seconds into camp. So we're, we're looking um, at you, David Williams, running back out of Arkansas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like who had like a good preseason at all, but like there was no way that they were going to be able to keep all those yeah, cats. Totally. totally. So instead of, instead of shooting myself in the foot like that and, you know, essentially guaranteeing that I'm going to cut this guy, I decided to put him into a competition and give him an opportunity to earn a job. Nice. I should mention I was very torn between going with the <laughs> running back, who I think could be a gem, or going with Byron Cowart, uh, the former highly regarded recruit who transferred from Auburn, went to Maryland. He's not a perfect fit as a 3-4 end. Could maybe be like a, a nickel edge rusher, which is an area we could add a little more depth at. Uh, but I did end up going with Wes Hills just because I think he's the better player of the two. All right. So to recap, yeah. you went Ed Oliver at yep. 10. I went Bush with Devin mm-hmm. Bush. We both went Chris Lindstrom and Chris Lindstrom mm-hmm. and Terry McLaurin in rounds two right. and three. And then you diverted and went with your developmental yeah. quarterback. Yeah. While you took, who'd you go with at 125? Uh, I took Blake Cashman. Blake Cashman, right, right. Yeah, I shored up my right. linebacker yep. position and called it a day. I, you know, I flipped a coin there between Cashman and Gary Johnson. Mm. Mm. And if I could go back and do it I again. Like I like the pick you went with, with uh, Johnson, or with Cashman. I think that was the better player. Okay. And then uh, fifth round, Dex Raymond and Bryce Love for me. Right. Uh, Josh Oliver and Trey Watson for me. Great. And then I went with my Tyree Jackson quarterback pick in round six and finished it off with a nose tackle and Chris Slayton. Right. And I went with Iman Marshall and Wes Hills. Huh. 
some interesting draft classes uh, that we put together there, sir. I think you won this. Obviously, I obviously I can't uh, can't criticize too heavily because we had two of the same picks. Yeah, true. I mean, I, I'll say this. I think with the fact that I went Oliver, I won the f- the first two days of the draft. I think you holistically did a better job rounds one through seven and a better job of addressing the need areas we have. So well done. Good job by you. Uh, well, thank you. I certainly, honestly, I, I love the Oliver pick. Um, and I just think that uh, Oliver would be such a difference maker on that defense. And then to add in uh, Lindstrom and McLaurin, you'd be adding uh, players who could who could help your offense immediately. They don't have to be stars. They don't have to, you know, not every pick is going to go to the Pro Bowl. But if if they can get on the field and they yeah. can help you, <clears throat> how can you not love that? I'm with you. All right. Let's take our second break, and then we'll come back on the other side. We will answer listener questions, as always, because you guys rock. This is the BSN Broncos Draft Podcast presented by Elixinol. We will be right back. The biggest benefits of CBD are our cognitive, our neuroprotection, neuroregeneration, anti-inflammatory, and then a lot of the most common situations that, that people are taking it are for pain. That is Arthur Jaffe, a former CU Buffs football player and founder of Elixinol a Colorado-based company focused on providing the highest quality of CBD oil and hemp extracts in the world. Like Arthur mentioned earlier, CBD has significant medical benefits and isn't limited to just athletes. Everyone can take it, from adults and children to even your dog. I wished I would have learned about it or that it would have been more prominent at a younger age to potentially have have given my father a a significant opportunity to fight prostate cancer, which ultimately took his life when I was 13. You know, I really think that it would have helped him. Arthur and the folks over at Elixinol's mission is to educate, inspire, and empower others to live naturally healthy, happy lives. To learn more and join the CBD conversation, check out Elixinol.com. Welcome in, third and final segment of this week's BSN Broncos Draft Podcast. I'm AJ Hayfley alongside Andre Simone, per usual. Segment number three these days is basically dedicated to you guys, because you guys always have questions for us. We always have answers. Andre, let's just dive right in. Question number one from Karch. Got a question for you guys and Andre on the draft pod. I've heard a lot of buzz around Tampa Bay taking Devin White at five, which would suck because I selfishly want him in Denver. Preach, brother. But I haven't really ever seen or heard anything about quarterback being an option for them. Why do you think that is? With new offensive coach Bruce Arians and an abysmal quarterback available in Jameis Winston, why wouldn't they be looking for a quarterback early? Great point. Um, Like, truly great point. Because, you know, like, with the with the Bengals, I've been saying, yeah, I think even though Dalton's there, they've got a new head coach, they probably want to move on and get that quarterback of the future. And I've kind of said that with Miami. But yeah, we don't talk about it with Tampa too much. Now, the thing is, Winston's a former number one overall pick. He's shown enough positive stretches throughout his career. And I think he fits what Bruce Arian wants. So I think they are inclined to give this a try, but 
yeah, would it be any more crazy for the Bucks to go after a quarterback than it would for the Raiders or for, you know, the Bengals? No, not at all. Um, so I think that's a really good point. And if that's a surprise pick that occurs on day one, lots of credit to you, Karch, because you're the one who kind of opened our eyes to this. This this is a very, very, uh, very intelligent comment. I like that a lot. Uh, yeah, I mean, for me, it just seems like they're gonna, they're gonna see what they have and they're gonna roll. And if it fails, usually these things blow up in their face, uh, enough that you're going to get a high pick because that's what happens when you have bad quarterback play and they will be in a position to probably take one of the top guys next year. I mean, they've got the fifth overall pick right now. So, right. You know, if for whatever reason, uh, Winston blows up in their face next season and it tailspins out of control. They'll probably be in the top five again. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. But I do so, think they've seen enough from Winston that they're they're willing to give him one more try under, you know, a quarterback whisperer and offensive guru like Bruce Arians, which I think makes makes good sense. I mean, I think they feel like they patch up some areas. They could be not a contender, but a winning team already next year. Uh, And that's where they might overlook quarterbacks, similar to Denver, who might feel like, eh, you know, if we just address some of these other need areas, we could be in a pretty good spot. Yeah. Which, hey, whether that's true or not, time will tell. All right. Uh, Dre, let's keep getting to some of these questions. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, Vivid Swing says, Hey guys, being from Copenhagen, I was hoping uh, you could shed some light on the fit for fellow Denmark native Yaldi Froholt, a guard from Arkansas. I know Denver could probably use some help on the interior O-line, and it seems like Yaldi? Uh, yeah, Yaldi, yes. Is rising up boards everywhere I look. I'd love to see him in Denver with fellow <laughs> Dane Andreas. I'm going to assume that's Nap. Nap, yeah, uh, yeah, I think so. I think the two of them would be great to have together on the O-line, though Nap is a long shot to make the team. Let me know your thoughts. Thanks. Oh, man, so great. Uh, reading this makes me miss Copenhagen, one of my favorite cities in the world. Uh, spent a New Year's there, like... Four or five years ago, absolutely loved it. Though, frankly, it's so expensive. That's the one thing about Scandinavia. Things are so expensive for us uh, us poor peons who don't come from there. Um, <laughs> so big shout out to you. Jealous uh, that you're in Copenhagen. Uh, yeah, watched. Haven't dug into this guy too much. Kind of had a dip- disappointing um, combine from Yaldi. Not the most athletic, which makes me wonder how much of a great of a fit will he be in this zone blocking scheme. And, you know, at the point of attack, I don't see the strongest guy. Now, in pass pro, he looked pretty solid to me. And when he's getting to the second level, he looked pretty solid to me. So maybe there's more than meets the eye here, uh, though. Uh, Obviously, he's he's looking. He's got his eye open for his fellow Dane. I, I must say, I'm a bit surprised to hear that he's been rising up boards. 
I haven't seen him rising up too many rankings. Um, I was much more familiar with Knapp, the uh, former UConn offensive tackle who's got length for days. And I would be intrigued by if he was put in more of a rotational role, uh, you know, maybe as your swing tackle. Though, again, zone blocking scheme, who knows? He might be lost by the wayside, too. Uh, we shall see. Uh, so that's kind of my thoughts. I love this question. I um, I would not mind this pick in late day three. He wasn't on our board or on the draft network board. We'll see if I, I get enough work done to insert him in there, though the jump from being outside the top 300 to inside the top 200, which is generally what I publish, would be quite a jump. But uh, we'll be keeping you in mind when Yaldi gets drafted or potentially signed to the practice squad here. Uh, I appreciate you uh, you kind of bringing this to our attention and forcing me to watch a little more tape on him. As always, we do love the questions and the variety of them. And uh, I am excited that I got to learn a new name today. Yeah, and masterful job by you on the pronunciation there. I got to say, I think you nailed it. Though, we should mention it. You know, it was spelled out phonetically for you. But even then, I can struggle with the phonetic spelling. So uh, credit to you. You did a fine job. He did did all the heavy lifting. That's true. I just know how to read. It's true. But, uh, uh, okay, next question is from Run Phil Run. He says, Andre, I was wondering if you could do a comparison of wide receiver Penny Hart and Andy Isabella. What are their strengths and weaknesses as prospects? Who do you view as a better prospect? Who's a better fit in the slot for Denver? Do you envision either of these guys being a target for Denver and at what point in the draft? Thanks, Andre. I love your takes. Well, Penny Hart, Andy Isabella, what you got? Well, I love your question and your support. So thank you so much for this question, Run, Phil, Run. Um, I definitely think both will have caught the Broncos' eye from their performance at the Senior Bowl. And then, you know, Isabella was already a known commodity. You can't be one of the top receivers in the country statistically and do what he did against Georgia um, and not be on the radar. Um Hart really jumped out and could we could arguably say that Hart had the better senior bowl showing, um, at least in practice, than Isabella had that insane touchdown. Um, so, you know, both smaller slot receiver types. Hart is more physical, both as a blocker and in, um, you know, adjusting midair and going to get contested balls, which is a knock on all these smaller receivers. He does a really good job of that. Both quick, um, really athletic, and tough to tough to stick with at the top of their route. Um, Isabella, the the bigger difference is that you know Hart comes from Georgia State. Isabella from UMass. Isabella faced a slightly better competition level with some of those out of conference games. Uh, you know, like the Georgia game and was more productive. So he's got that going for him. I think Isabella slightly better route runner and definitely faster uh, while Hart has the better hands on top of being the more physical of the two. I really think Isabella is going to go higher just because of the pedigree, the production and that speed and how he tested it wouldn't surprise me if Hart was the better pro, especially if he ended up at a team like 
the Atlanta Falcons or Green Bay Packers or Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, teams that have good veteran quarterbacks, have offenses that have proved they can develop wide receivers and kind of have a need to where he could produce right away. Um, I think who Denver likes best could really come down to a special team's value. And both were such valuable wide receivers to their teams that I didn't see them utilized a ton on special teams on tape. So I should probably dig in further. I'm sure that at some point in their careers, either were used. Um, You know, so draft value wise, I don't think you'll get Isabella if you wait past round three. And at 71 for me, he'd be a little rich when you might still have guys like Terry McLaurin available or Paris Campbell or, you know, I mean, some some fairly high end wide receivers. Um, Yeah. And and I don't think you need to reach on either when later on in the draft, there are deep guys like Emmanuel Hall out of Missouri, uh, Demarcus Lodge out of Ole Miss, McCauley Hardman out of Georgia, (coughs) Alex Wesley. Hunter Renfro in the slot, Darius Slayton, those kind of guys. Um, so I think I think probably Isabella isn't realistic unless the Broncos are in love and take him at 71. While I think Penny Hart has a much greater chance of being around in day three, and you could pounce on him with that round four, round five pick. Uh, I, I think the Broncos have to come away with a receiver like that, though. And I, I really enjoy both. They're both pretty highly ranked for me as borderline top 100 but firmly in my top 150 all right uh it is i honestly i really am excited to see how they address that position assuming they address i know i know because there are so many intriguing options here and i don't know uh, that there's really going to be a wrong one i think when you talk about guys like hart and isabella uh, fit ends up being such a huge part of whether those guys succeed or not, mm-hmm. because the, the the line, the thin margin between talent, uh, it's it's almost negligible, and usually the separation takes place with uh, guys who are able to get on a field in a in a situation that's better for them. Right, right. In a sense, you know, Hart is almost the safer pick of the two because he doesn't have the you know there's there's no drops that worry you. Uh, and he is physical, which I really like and can go up and get contested balls a little better than Isabella. But I do have Isabella higher ranked as my 11th wide receiver. And Penny Har is 18th. So not bad. I mean, in a loaded wide receiver class, they're both much higher than the most and above some pretty highly touted wideouts. So there you go. I, I, I did want to clear that up since the final part of the question was, who do you value more? All right. Yeah, let's do it. Next question uh, from, I'm just going to assume this is, ooh, Benny Lava. I think you nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, He says, I'm super intrigued by our second and third round picks this draft. The thought process at this point has been to grab best player available at 10, as long as it's not an edge pass rusher, then use the second and third rounds to grab quality starters to fill needs. Fear we have too many needs to adequately fill those needs in rounds two and three. 
Do you think that because we are pretty early in the draft order and our fourth round pick is very close to being a third round pick that we can grab three quality starters in rounds two, three, and four? It'd be tough to rely on someone being drafted in the fourth round to contribute early, but that would definitely give us flexibility at 10. I'm thinking Jerry Tillery or Garrett Bradbury in the second round. Mm -hmm. Andy Isabella or Blake Cashman in round three. Maybe some interior depth along the O-line or D-line in round four. Yeah. um, Great question right here. You'll enjoy the first two segments. The problem is that Broncos fourth round pick not all that high at 126, and that's because they had to trade pick 114, which was their earlier fourth rounder, to the Ravens for Joe Flacco. Um, yeah. So isn't it funny that the entire offseason, everyone will tell you well, that Joe Flacco trade didn't cost you anything. You know, fourth rounder, they had two fourth rounders. Now where we're getting into the nitty gritty, it's like, boy, I sure would love having that early fourth, so maybe I could still get that value, that third-round value in the early fourth. Um, it's it's always funny the way that, like, when you, you're like, oh, well, we traded a fourth-round pick for our starting quarterback. That's great value. And then come draft day, you're like, can I have that pick back now? Right, right, totally. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> v- draft picks are like cars, the value increases right up to before the selection is made. And then as soon as you made the selection, the value plummets. It's like driving a car off the, you know, off the dealership lot. Off yeah. The lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, generally I agree with you that the, the best strategy is 10, try to get best player available two and three, try to address the needs as we showed in a simulator. Yeah, there are too many needs. You're not going to be able to address them all. You know, truth is, th- the Patriots had glaring needs on their team up until the Super Bowl. They still won. Every team still has holes on their roster. It's just a matter of finding ways to patch it up and making up for your deficiencies in one area with another area and scheme. Uh, so that's kind of how we're going to have to address the inability to address all these needs. Um, yeah, it'd be great. I mean, absolutely great to get third round type value with that fourth pick. Look, to me, with my selection of Brett Rippon, I kind of was able to do that. If if someone took Brett Rippon in day two, I wouldn't be against that. Um, who'd you end up going with your fourth rounder? Blake Cashman, the guy that he uh, Blake, right that, that he mentioned right, and I think I think that that could be a realistic scenario. One of those linebackers could drop if not. Look, if not Cashman, it could be Gary Johnson, Ben Burkhaven, uh, David Long out of West Virginia. Who knows? Maybe even Chase Hansen out of Utah, who's a converted safety turned into a linebacker. None of those guys would be bad in the fourth. Um, and yeah, they could go as early as the third. So there you go. And I mean, I couldn't agree with you more on the Tillery Bradbury picks. I had to mention them in our in our roundtables. I think fit wise, those are the best fits on defense and on offense for the Broncos is Bradbury and Tillery, period. And the more I look at this, the more I want to trade down so I can ensure I get both of those guys into Mile High City. Yeah, 
God, a trade down would really do wonders for them. Yeah, honestly. Yeah, and I mean, I know we were intrigued by a trade down in the scenario of like trading down with the Bills last year. This year, a trade down is really appealing. But at ten, it's going to be harder to find suitors. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. Yeah, it will be. Uh, it will be interesting. I mean, at five, it was easy to talk yourself into taking a number of guys who were really good. At ten. It's just sort of a, I don't know, a 10 this year, it's sort of a flawed group. So uh, moving down just feels a lot easier than it it did last year. Yeah, totally. I mean, it helped that, you know, we were at five last year and it was a quarterback bonanza of a class. Yeah. Straight up. So, yeah. Um, Speaking of last year's quarterback uh, bonanza. Uh, Trade for Rosen has a question and says, Hey guys, I can't quite explain it, but I cannot stand Devontae Booker. (laughs) Oh, I can explain it. Trade for Rosen. (laughs) What, uh, what are y'all's thoughts for ditching Booker and grabbing TJ Yeldon? He's shown he can catch passes and I've seen more flashes from him than Booker. What's your thoughts? Uh, I had not read this question when I took my side swipe at Booker earlier, so that's kind of funny. Yeah, I mean, look, he's he's been incredibly disappointing, and when they drafted him, he was already an older prospect. I think he's he's lost a bit of a step, and uh, beyond his receiving ability, hasn't presented any value. He's incredibly frustrating to watch um, because he just seems to be unable to make a defender miss in one-on-one situations which obviously is a key for an NFL running back. Um, Yeldon would be intriguing-ish, though I was never the biggest fan at Alabama, and I don't think he's a great fit in a zone scheme. And he's still a free agent, which should tell you kind of something about his value. At that point, I would much rather do what we what we did in our simulations and take a running back on day three uh whether that's you know wes hills or bryce love or one of these other guys that will be available in a pretty loaded class let scangarello and his staff kind of pick someone that they enjoy i tell you what I, if rodney anderson were still to be around day three oh that's the best running back in this class. He would have been a first rounder if he came out last year in my mind. If he's available on day three, a hundred percent you take him because he's a solid blocker, great receiver, great quickness, vision, yeah. uh, nice size. He'd be an upgrade on Freeman if healthy and could be a, a real stud. So yeah, that would be my pick. But I mean it's a it's a fun little running back class. If Elijah Holyfield dropped because of his terrible testing, I'd consider him. And I'd probably like Holyfield better than Yeldon. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's there's plenty of guys I'd be looking at um, at running back and not just the remaining one of the remaining free agents that's available in TJ Yeldon. Uh, but agree with you completely on Booker. And if my options are only Booker and Yeldon, yeah, I might just go with, the, the former Alabama product who I'm guessing is younger than Booker too. Uh, I mean, that seems fair, uh, a fair assumption. So yeah, it's still just 25. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I would agree. Um, 
I'm fine moving on from Booker, but not in favor of Tatum. <laughs> right, but, right. Um, Gelden is a year younger than Booker, so there's that. But those Utah prospects, they really liked him. Milk being old, huh? That's the mage. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, buddy. All right, Andre. I think that's uh, I think that's it for our questions this week, man. I think that does it for our yeah, show. No doubt, that was fun. We we are down to now two yes. shows left before yes. draft week. Yeah. If um, we... my life is about to get very very chaotic if the next two days go as it looks like they might. So yeah. join the club. Um, um. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Playoffs, baby. Yeah. No, this is going to be great. And uh, we can really dig into some more nitty gritty type stuff. If we missed any questions this week, we will get to them next week. I promise. Um, so, yeah. Well, thanks for listening as always, guys. Thank you, AJ, for taking time to do this. Uh, yeah. Much love and get ready. Drafts around the corner. Only 22. No, 20 days away when you listen to this. So, wow, crazy. Yeah, I um I'm excited, man. We're we're it's it's kind of snuck up yeah. on me this year with the uh you know, with the the Avalanche right. playoff race right. underway. So, it's been it's it's been interesting, but I'm excited. It's uh it's a fun time, man, and uh hopefully hopefully the Broncos can bring the same kind of buzz with their draft that they did last year and uh get on par with the rest of these Denver teams that are all making playoff runs and and looking very bright for the yeah, future. Yeah, no kidding. So That's mm-hmm. what this is all about. Bright, bright futures. All right. Dre, that does it for us. This is the BSN Broncos draft podcast presented by Elixinol. Before we get out of here, I've got to tell you guys about one of our great new partners, LiveWell. LiveWell Enlightened Health is your go-to dispensary for the best deals on the highest quality cannabis products. Members of LiveWell's free rewards program have access to $30 pre-weigh half ounces and $60 pre-weigh ounces every day. LiveWell has 16 locations across Colorado from the Four Corners all the way up to Fort Collins with six locations alone in the Denver area. Visit LiveWell.com BSN for all the most up-to-date sales and promotions. That's LiveWell spelled L-I-V-W-E-L-L dot com slash BSN. That does it for us this week. It's the BSN Broncos Draft Podcast. We will see you guys next week.